It's unrelated things. Greetings and welcome to episode number 10 of Unrelated Things. Thank you to all of the first-time listeners out there for tuning in and making this your first episode. And thank you very much to all the repeat listeners out there coming back for more Unrelated Things. Here is a quote of the week. Counting up all that dough you owe, you ain't supposed to know it's opposable. We are not disposable. Muscle up, kid. We got blows to throw. Those are a few lyrics from The Magic Clap, a song by The Coup. The Coup is headed by Boots Riley, who is, I, in my opinion, one of the best uh, writers out there for modern rap and hip-hop music. Um, his lyrics are really, really deep, and his music is really enjoyable. So check out The Coup. And I'll have more to say about their song, Magic Clap, later in this episode. You can make a donation or find out more about Unrelated Things at unrelatedthings.net. You can provide feedback at unrelatedthings at gmail.com. And you can follow Unrelated Things on Twitter or on Facebook. On to the incantation and illumination. Your trousers, it's time to wade into the news. Straight into the shallow end of the news this week. Way back in 2009, Kellogg Company reached an agreement with the Federal Trade Commission to stop advertising its frosted mini wheat cereal as some kind of magical brain booster that would make kids smarter. But it's taken four years for that issue to finally be put to bed after finally reaching a settlement in a class action lawsuit. In the ads and packaging, the cereal had claimed it had been, quote, clinically shown to improve kids' attentiveness by nearly 20%. That turned out not to be so true, and the company received a big old slap on the wrist from the FTC. The ads now are long gone, but the class action lawsuit had remained until this week. Kellogg announced it will pay $4 million to consumers to settle the suit that said frosted mini-wheats shouldn't boast improved attentiveness, memory, and cognitive functions in children. This happened. Up in Canada, they have been circulating some new bank notes for the past couple years, and there has been a somewhat persistent rumor about those bank notes. And this story was online from McLean's at McLean's.ca. The penny may be history, but some Canadians suspect the Bank of Canada has been circulating a new scent along with its plastic banknotes. Dozens of people who contacted the bank in the months after the polymer notes first appeared asked about a secret scratch-and-sniff patch that apparently smells like maple syrup. Quote, I would like to know once and for all if these bills are in fact scented, as I do detect a hint of maple when smelling the bill. A typical email from a perplexed citizen read, said another, quote, they all have a scent which I'd say smells like maple. Please advise if this is normal. 
Under the Access to Information Act, the Canadian press obtained a year's worth of correspondence to the Bank of Canada from ordinary Canadians about the new currency. For the record, bank official Jeremy Harrison says no cent has been added to any of the new banknotes. A few people were so convinced about the fragrant funds that they actually complained to bank officials that some of their new plastic notes were odor-free. Quote, The note lost all its maple smell, said one writer. I strongly suggest the bank increases the strength of the maple smell. So Canada does have some funny money if you aren't from that part of the world and aren't used to handling and seeing their bank notes. Um, but they have not put any cent, any maple or otherwise, into those bank notes. It is all either people's natural maple aroma, which of course all Canadians have, or just their false sense of smell, giving them a false positive for maple. I once flew back from a business trip in Texas with a flight that went through Chicago before ending up in New Hampshire. The first leg of my flight was filled with 13-year-old cheerleaders coming back from a competition. I have never been on a flight with more relentless chatter, and I greatly appreciated having my headphones with me on that flight. After we touched down, they all gave a brief cheer, including clapping, it was an amusing experience. I was soon to find out after getting off that flight and getting on my final leg to back to New Hampshire, that flight was filled with students heading home from a class trip to Washington, D.C. So my amusement and torment wasn't over. So I had some um, connection or some feelings stirred back up in me over this next story, written by Josh Kerp. A group of about 100 high school students traveling from New York to Atlanta were thrown off an Air Tran flight, along with their chaperones, after the pilot and crew lost patience with some kids who wouldn't sit down and put away their cell phones. Seniors from the Yeshiva of Flatbush in Brooklyn were on the flight about 6 a.m. Monday at LaGuardia Airport. Air Trans parent company Southwest Airlines said in a statement that flight attendants asked passengers several times to take their seats and put their mobile devices away. The airline said that when some didn't comply, the captain repeated the request. When that didn't work either, the whole group of students was ordered to disembark for safety reasons, the airline said. The flight was delayed for about 45 minutes while the students filed out of the Boeing 737, which seats about 137 people, leaving the plane mostly empty. So perhaps these students were too unruly and would not follow directions if that was indeed the case. This may, may have been appropriate. And those remaining 37 people on that flight uh, did have a much, much quieter flight to their destination. So despite, you know, my moderate or maybe light annoyance at the unusual circumstances that I experienced on a flight like this, I definitely 
unfortunately, I am old enough to appreciate the, um, I, I'll say the vigor of youth that they represented on that flight, which took away a lot of the edge off of what, what might otherwise been an unpleasant experience. Sometimes stuff happens. And another day. A burglar's decision to knock back a couple of beers during a break-in at an upstate New York home led to his arrest. Thank you, sir, for keeping upstate New York in the odd news. 29-year-old Moses Wilson was stealing copper piping from a vacant rental home in Syracuse early in February when he found an unopened case of beer in the basement. Officials say he drank some of the beer during the burglary. Prosecutors say police were able to match Wilson's DNA to DNA found on the cans. Come on, burglars, you, you should be smarter than that. Don't leave behind the beer cans after you drink the beer. Take the beer cans with you. If you weren't littering, leaving your, your used cans behind, you never would have gotten caught. One more thing. If you listened to episode number one of Unrelated Things, you may remember the title story of that episode. And it's see-through pants. Here is an update. The Lululemon Luan yoga pants have returned to shelves after being swiftly yanked this past March. Heads rolled at the company, fingers were pointed, and the whole thing turned into quite the muck-up. According to a post on the company's blog this week, black Luan bottoms are arriving back in stores this month. Lululemon says it hasn't changed the recipe for the fabric, but that testing and checking has undergone some major tweaking. Quote, First, we added tighter new standards and specifications to our testing and development. In fact, your stretchy pants go through about 15 tests to make sure you get great ass coverage. That's the scientific term. And yes, that entire phrase was from their website as was the following. We've also re-engineered our Luan bottom patterns in each and every style to minimize the stretching of the fabric. Basically, that means there is now more fabric across the bum so it's not stretched from the get-go. Thank you, Lululemon, for providing us more fabric across the bum and a potential title for my podcast. But let's kind of get all that fun, quirky stuff out of there. Hold on tight. We're headed for the deep end. Off to the deep end of the news. A story from the New York Times. Immigrants have contributed billions of dollars more to Medicare in recent years than the program has paid out on their behalf, according to a new study pattern that goes against the notion that immigrants are a drain on federal health care spending. The study, led by researchers at Harvard Medical School, measured immigrants' contributions to the part of Medicare that pays for hospital care, a trust fund that accounts for nearly half of the federal program's revenue. It found that immigrants 
generated surpluses totaling $115 billion from 2002 to 2009. In comparison, over that same time frame, the American-born population incurred a deficit of $28 billion. According to Lee Zalman, an instructor of medicine at Harvard Medical School and the lead author of the study, quote, the finding pokes a hole in the widespread assumption that immigrants drain U.S. health care spending dollars. And when they conducted this study, they conducted this study via the census information, which tries to make sure they include all legal and illegal immigrants whenever possible. Let's get deeper into the conversation. Oh, back up into the air on another flight. Um, this story by Medical News Today, written by someone named VATM, which I will not try to pronounce. If you fall ill on a flight, you have to hope there is a doctor on board. So Dorothy Fletcher can count herself lucky. When she suffered a heart attack on a transatlantic flight from Manchester, UK to Florida, she turned out to be on a plane full of cardiologists. Fifteen experts on their way to a cardiology conference responded when a stewardess asked for medical assistance. They stood up en masse and rushed to save Mrs. Fletcher, age 67, from Liverpool. They fed drips into her arms and used an onboard medical kit to control the life-threatening attack. The plane was diverted to North Carolina, where Mrs. Fletcher was treated in the intensive care unit. Her daughter said, We owe these cardiologists in the airline so much. My mom wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for those doctors. So, a very fortunate woman suffering a heart attack in flight on an airplane full of cardiologists. Are you kidding me? Recently retired Massachusetts Congressman Barney Frank may be out of government, but he's not out of the public eye. Before a speech at the New School, he told reporters that the U.S. needs to continue to cut military spending beyond what's already being cut from sequestration and further tax the richest Americans. Quote, I think America is ready for an immense reduction to military spending, commensurate with what we now have to deal with. You can't defeat terrorism with nuclear submarines, he said. I wish you could, because we have them. They don't. It would be over. A lot of what we do is wholly irrelevant to our major military threat right now, he added. A result of the historic successes of the U.S. Air Force, not a single U.S. soldier has been killed by enemy air forces since 1953. Doubling down on his idea that the military is spending money where it doesn't need to, Frank recalled a conversation with an unnamed House Republican who argued that cutting the budget will lead to, quote, hangar queens, unquote, aircraft that never get used and just sit at a base somewhere. Barney Frank replied, that's because nobody needed them to fly. They had no mission. They had no enemy. And the F-35 is a wonderful weapon. And there is no one for it to shoot. 
So kudos to Barney Frank and others who still see the amount of money that goes into the military for things that the military does not need to fight the types of wars that they are fighting in the modern world. All right, so the I opened up this episode with a quote from The Magic Clap by uh, Boots Riley and the Coup, a great, great song from their new album. A new video posted on this song uh, recently. It's been put up on YouTube. Featuring the comedian Patton Oswalt. Uh, it's it's a great it's great to see Patton Oswalt Oswalt in the Coos video because his exposure will gain more exposure for the Coo and their song. And Patton Oswalt said he was very happy to be part of this. Um, the because the song is a great song and the Coo is a great band and he was very excited to take part. Uh, the song moves at a pretty quick pace, and you have to listen very closely to catch all the words. So to help out, Patton Oswalt in this video, acts out each word or phrase of the song as it progresses, and does so in, in a really fun and enjoyable way. And here is the opening of that video. What's up, y'all? I'm Boots Riley from The Coop. A lot of y'all have talked about our new song, The Magic Clap, and said you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So I got somebody that you might understand to come and explain things to you, translate. I got this, Kanye. check this out and watch it if you haven't seen it online already. Patton Oswalt in the Coos The Magic Clap. Apple 
Last week, Apple released some brand new hardware unexpectedly in most most quarters in a story on MacStories.net by Federico Vitici outlines what was released last week. Apple today made a quiet update to its iPod Touch lineup, launching a new 16GB 5th generation model without a rear camera for $229. The new iPod Touch, which is only available with a black front and silver back, replaces the 4th generation iPod Touch that Apple had continued to offer since its introduction of new models late last year. And the story goes on. Uh, The new iPod Touch, fifth generation, adds lightning connector, a taller retina screen, a dual-core A5 chip, faster Wi-Fi, and presumably more RAM than the 256 megabytes found in the fourth-gen iPod. The new 16-gigabyte iPod Touch will certainly be capable of running iOS 7 and future updates. And another story on Apple this week. A couple stories related to the Apple TV this week. Time Warner Cable is in talks with Apple to sign a video streaming deal for some of its content. After the successful launch of its Time Warner Cable TV app on Roku devices this past March, Time Warner Cable announced that it is trying to get trying to get yeah, trying to ink more deals. Speaking at an investors' conference in London on June 4th, Time Warner Cable CEO Glenn Britt, it's better if your paper is not covering the words that you're trying to read, Time Warner Cable CEO Glenn Britt told investors that the company wants to strike deals with Apple, Microsoft, and Samsung. Quote, you should assume we're talking to everyone who makes devices like this, whether it's Samsung, smart TVs, Apple, or Microsoft. If Time Warner Cable is willing to pony up to Apple's terms, then it is not unlikely we'll see a Time Warner Cable TV app on the Apple TV soon, which is great. More content on the Apple TV makes it for a stronger device. Uh, There are definitely a lot of content options that are available via Roku um, that are not yet available on the Apple TV, but hopefully that will change and expand very soon. Something else that's new coming to the Apple TV is a popular media player called Plex. And via Cult of Mac comes this story. The popular Plex media player that allows users to stream content from their computer to another device is now available on the Apple TV. The new app called Plex Connect is compatible with second and third generation devices and it does not require a jailbreak for installation. This isn't the first time Plex has graced Apple's $99 set-top box, but it was previously only compatible with jailbroken devices. Now the team behind the Plex client have discovered a nifty trick that allows the app to run without any hacking required. Enter Plex Connect, the company writes on on its blog. It's a super clever little hack which allows a rich, fully functional Plex client on an unjailbroken Apple TV 2 and Apple TV 3 device. Essentially, you run a program on your computer, which masquerades as the trailer app. Next, change one setting on the Apple TV, and you're up and running. So while this does not require a jailbreak of your Apple TV device, it does require a workaround and is not officially a sanctioned app 
from Apple on the device. So be aware that Apple may plug this hole that is allowing for this um, unsanctioned app to be placed on and run on the Apple TV and an upcoming up or a future update to the Apple TV software may disable that Plex Connect media player. And one final note on Apple. A Russian newspaper claims Apple has applied for the iWatch trademark. While Apple, while Apple typically uses a shell newspaper, Izvestia reports that the company has filed for the iWatch trademark in Russia, further fueling speculation that iWatch will be the name of Apple's much-rumored wearable wristwatch device. And much rumored it has been, this has been an ongoing rumor, probably an ongoing rumor for three or four years, but really has, the rumors have heated up in the past year or so, um, with lots of people predicting that, you know, the, the project of creating an iWatch is well down the road now with a hundred plus people at Apple working on it and may be debuted before the end of this year. Um, so we will just have to wait and see. But Apple starting to apply for the iWatch trademark uh, in various countries around the world is certainly an indication that the timing for release of an iWatch is getting closer. And that is all that I have this week for episode number 10 of Unrelated Things. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it enough to come back again. If you have any feedback or suggestions, you can let me know at unrelatedthings at gmail.com. You can find out more about Unrelated Things at unrelatedthings.net. Follow Unrelated Things on Twitter or on Facebook. Thanks for listening.